All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson. We're going to do a quick little, like, kind of punk's opinion on on some stuff. And uh, Big John is traveling right now, so he's not able to join us. And I know you guys are probably thinking, man, now we're just stuck with you. Uh, just for right now, just for the just for today, we're going to drop a couple little things on some hot topics. And um, we will go from there. What's the very first thing? Uh, Bellator last weekend. Uh, Bellator last weekend. Look, I thought all in all, it was, it was a uh, good Frank Mir got the win that he needed against big country. He had, he had dominated the first fight and he came back and kind of pretty much dominated the second fight. I got to tell you though, um, both of them are on the hot seat. I wouldn't say, I would say with a win is such a dominant performance that Frank Mir had. He is still kind of on the hot seat, but I also feel like he, he also understands that he is a heavyweight. And like I was talking to Chael about on the broadcast is that heavyweights, especially heavyweights with names and heavyweights with um, that are good, are few and far between and hard to come by. And I think Frank knows that. So Frank can go, you know, somewhere else and fight or he can, you know, or he can just not and just maybe do seminars or whatever it is he wants to do. Frank is talented. Frank's talented, not just in MMA, but Frank's talented behind the mic. Frank's talented uh, jiu-jitsu guys. He's also got, he's got, also got, you know, he's also a UFC world champion. So that being said, he can say and <clears throat> he can uh, set pricing for himself when he wants to do something. So he can be a commentator. He can be, uh, uh, he can do seminars. He can do all those things. So. I think this guy, <clears throat> outside of MMA, outside of Bellator, he can do what he, if he needs to do something to get by, he can. It's up to him. You know, the, a motivated Frank Mir is good. You know, we I think we saw when he first came into Bellator, I'm not sure how motivated he was. and I'm not knocking him, but I think we saw with a lot of the guys that came over. Um, I don't know if they thought they were just going to skate by because it wasn't UFC and... You know, they had a rough go at it. <clears throat> Benson Henderson had a rough go at it. Um, Lorenz Larkin had a rough go at it. Uh, Rory is now, I think, having a little bit of a rough go at it. I mean, he, he had Paul Daly's first fight. He, very, he fought a very smart fight. Uh, but then winning the title against Douglas Lima the first time uh, was very rough. It was very tough for him. And it was uh, an even tougher loss this last, this last weekend. But... I think a lot of the guys that come over from the UFC that think they're going to come in and skate by, they're having a hard time with that. So uh, I, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you as outside of what Frank Mir wants to do, but I thought it was a good. It was a good effort by him to come out and get a good win, a dominant performance, and uh, you know, it, it let me know. It kind of let me see that Big Country needs to evolve and shape his game just a little bit more and start making some adjustments because I think people have started figuring out what he's relying on now that's the big right hand and you know and the potential takedown here and there but it's mainly the big right hand and uh it just people have started figuring it out and they're not gonna they're not gonna allow him to do that they're gonna circle away from the power and they're gonna kick the inside leg like we saw or we're gonna they're gonna kick that body or they're gonna do all these things so those those are, i think those are things that uh he needs to make some adjustments on moving forward so uh, look, all in all, the, the Friday night fights were pretty good. Uh, I think I want to talk about the hot topic of Friday night. The hot topic of Friday night was Ed Ruth and Jason Jackson. And the Friday night fight with Ed Ruth and Jason Jackson was, man, it was, uh, 
it was a damn good fight. It was a really good fight. I'm going to have to lean the way Big John had said it, and he had Jason Jackson winning the fight. I don't uh, – I, I, I would have to say that I had it – I pretty much had it the same way that Big John McCarthy had it. And Big John and I talked about it afterwards. Um, the first round could have potentially be considered – I didn't think it was, and now that it's John – but I can see how some judges maybe had it, maybe could have had it 10-8. I didn't have it 10-8. It was 10-9. The second round, um, I gave to Ed Ruth. And the third round, I gave to Jason Jackson. And Ed is one of my one of my friends. Ed is one of my close friends. Ed is a very good um, everyone knows he's a good good wrestler. He's talented. He even after the fight, he was in the back jumping rope, cooling down, shadow boxing for another 30 minutes. These are the things that he does. And sorry, there's a bug in here, so I'm kind of get it. And um, look, it, it, outside, I thought I felt I, I really felt for Jason Jackson because he fought a good fight. I thought he did everything he could have could have done to win the fight. I I think um, I, I think he, I, I honestly believe that he he did what he needed to do to win that fight. And I'm an Ed Ruth fan, and I'm not trying to knock him. I'm not. You know, Ed Ed is definitely be back. Ed will definitely have um, his opportunity, his chances to uh, advance more in his career. He's like he's really young. He's a very young, uh, very green professional fighter who has a ton of experience wrestling. Which I don't understand why he doesn't use it, but he hasn't had it. He hasn't been able to get it to translate to the MMA world. He has a good shot. When he does touch you, he does. He is able to pretty much take you down, and we saw that with uh, Jason Jackson. He was able to get him down at will once he did lay his hands on him. Um, I thought he did everything that he needed to do uh, to secure to secure like um, some good positions throughout the fight. He had good pressure, but Jason Jackson, I thought, landed landed when the criteria is Jason Jackson won the beginning portions of the criteria, which was more damage. If you get cut, if you get dropped, if you get you get rocked, if you take those three things, okay, as far as damage goes, Jason Jackson did more damage. And and like I said, pressuring someone and taking them down and and not really doing a whole lot of like he did work, but it wasn't anything that landed cleanly and did damage to Jason Jackson. Now, I've seen this before in the past where guys um they 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 get tired and look like Jason was getting tired in the in the back of the in the second round. And as he started scooting around and trying to stay away from Ed Ruth, that looks bad in the judge's eye. But that only realistically happened in the second round. And in the third, in that third round, I would go, I would go with like, look, you dropped him, you did some work, wasn't it where you weren't Jason Jackson wasn't able to put him away. Ed was pressuring. Ed was getting the takedowns. But takedowns and pressure are not as significant as Big John McCarthy was saying as being dropped. You know, and and it really depends. Like you dropped him, did a little bit of work when you could, got back up, and then the rest of the round you kind of were giving away the round. But the one who did, the number one criteria is damage. And if you look at the damage that was created in that round, that belonged to Jason Jackson. Now, um, I, I want you guys to understand. I'm, I'm going on a limb here because I'm going to get it from Ed. Ed's going to give it to me right now. And I would imagine probably even uh, 
like DC and the boys. They're all going to give me a hard time at the gym. But look, <clears throat> I, I'm not a judge. And so if you're going to get mad at someone, don't get mad at me. I mean, like Ed won the fight. If you're going to get mad at what I'm saying, then look, we've all been on the on the wrong, the wrong end of decisions. And we know that it sucks and it sucks. It sucks to be that person. And... <clears throat> And I, and I can feel for Jason Jackson, which I feel he was on the wrong end of that decision. But Ed, Ed's going to have a long career, and he's going to have plenty of sometimes these decisions going against him as well. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate for, uh, for Jason, but there is nothing you can do when it comes to the judge's decisions, and you need to move on, get stronger, build from there. And I honestly believe this is, this is a lesson I think for Ed Ruth more than anything that you cannot that you cannot let let this go to the judges cuz next time you won't be so lucky. You know, and then not on top of the next time will you not be so lucky that there was a lot of things that ex, that exploited that um exposed you that night. You got exposed on a couple things, the fact that you don't want to use your wrestling. Several times you had you had said in the fighter meetings that you you know, you don't look for submissions because they're boring. And when you say things like that, that lets fighters know that there really is no submission threat. They can turn, give their back. They can get up. They can do whatever it is they want to do. You need, like, I feel like you should start focusing on that and working on that and those details. Those will go a long way in the long run if to people feeling threatened by you. There's no doubt he knows how to ride somebody and get them, break them back down and take them back down. But in a three-round fight, there's not a lot of time, especially if you get dropped, there's not a lot of time to win that round. And I think in the third round, that was the round that 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 you ended up sneaking by and and, and getting. You know, so I, I hope this is, you know, more of a lesson of, you know, on what you need to work on and how you need to control the position better and all those things moving forward so this potentially doesn't happen again. Look, you got the win. That's the best thing you can think of. But as far as the uh decision, you know. There's a lot of people that are going to criticize criticize you for the decision, and you don't need to worry about that. I'm not saying you should, but what I'm saying is you need to take other people's criticism as to like, okay, what are they seeing that I didn't see, or what are they what are they looking at fight wise to make me think that I didn't win that that fight? And you got to go back and address those issues. And I feel like that um, you got to hit with the cleaner shots, you know. Um, and when that happens and you got dropped in the third and you got hit with the cleaner shots in the first, that's one and three. You know, I had you win in the second for sure. No doubt, hands down. Um, but it was uh, it was one, one. I felt like going into the third round and, uh, and, and I, I didn't think that you won that round, but I do think the sky's the limit for you. I think the progression of, of yourself, whether it's wrestling and jujitsu all together, I think he is extremely talented. There's been, never been any doubts about that. I'd like to see him, uh, progress a little bit more and when i talked about this on the broadcast i said it's just fight iq it's just you're like i said he's relatively young you guys need to understand that i want to say he's was he eight no seven no eight no i believe or sorry he's got one loss eight and one yeah he's eight and one he didn't have any amateur fights he had amateur uh, wrestling career at eight and one he's learning as he goes and um and i think i think that he's gonna learn a lot from this fight on what he can do and what he can't do and what he can get away with and what he can't get away with. But uh, but I, th I think this is going to be a huge learning lesson for him. We're going to see some big jumps and improvements um, from, from here moving forward. Um, it's Phil Davis. <clears throat> Phil Davis looked like the Phil Davis he should always look like. 
just absolute animal. He did everything he needed to to Carl Albrechtson, and he he did everything he needed. He he is really what I was hoping I would see out of Ed Ruth: the punching, the kicking, putting the wrestling together, making his opponent work, dominated in all fashions. But at the end of the day, it was the submission game of Ed Ruth that got the job done, you know. And that's really what it comes down to. I, I've said this before. Phil Davis, I said this on the broadcast as well, Phil Davis's submission game is is extremely underestimated. He's he's talented, he's good he's good from the top position, he's got good kimuras, good arm bars. Um he's good at pressuring. He's just got a lot of good positioning skills from the top. He, people give the back and he takes the back really well. I mean, everything about him, uh everything about this fight showed that he is such a well-rounded fighter, and I think he's just getting a little bit better as he goes every fight. He's realizing that he needs to resort back to his wrestling um, to to have a lot more success. And I, I think I think that's I think this was an eye-opening experience for him as well because Carl's tough, man. I want to remind people that Nemkov was the last guy that he lost that 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 uh, Carl beat. Carl beat Nemkov. He, Nemkov was his last. Uh, his last loss was Carl um, Albrechtson. So people need to remember that. And Nemkov just recently beat Phil Davis about two fights ago, maybe three, but I want to say it was two fights ago. And that that made for that that makes for for a good mixture in that weight class and that division. So I'd like to see. I'd like to potentially see that fight happen again as well, uh, maybe a little bit down the road, and. Carl Brexton, I think, would probably, uh, and Nemkov would probably like to get back. Nemkov would probably like to get that win back, or try to get that, that get that loss wiped off of his record and get a win over him. But I was actually very impressed with Carl. Carl fought a good fight. Um, Pat's threw some, you know, threw some things that I wasn't surprised. That was a beautiful uh, takedown. Nice dropped. Uh, he dropped. He was able to drop Carl. Uh, Phil Davis was did some dirty knee work here. You know, from the top position. F Phil just. Phil just had his way with him, but it was a good fight by a really tough uh, young man, and I thought it was a talent. I thought it was a very good fight, good stoppage. Yeah, I take it back. It wasn't a submission. It was a TKO. But was, I was kept thinking for the the choke and the submission, but he didn't get it. So yeah, off the top of my head. Anyways, good good talent, good good fight. I, I'm excited for Carl uh, Albrechtson's uh, future in in Bellator. We'll see. Uh, I've already talked about the Frank Mir and the uh, Roy Nelson, but you know, the inside leg kicks told the story. I would like to have seen Frank go up top to potentially mix it up, maybe even to the body. Uh, I think at the very end of the fight, Roy Nelson was able to get the takedown, but he should have been trying to get that takedown a lot sooner in that fight to potentially get the win. <clears throat> I mean, all in all, it's two heavyweights, two seasoned veteran heavyweights that are both experienced, and they had to make the adjustments. They had to make adjustments throughout the fight, and they didn't do that. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. Uh, Frank didn't have to. He didn't. He didn't need to do that, so... I thought it was a. I thought it was a very. I thought it was a good fight for both of them. Um, you know, more more so obviously for Frank, but both of them need to figure. They need to figure out what they want to do if they want to. You know, if they need they need to make some adjustments on both of, on either how they train or um, evolving their game outside of what they've been known for. So that for me was the Friday night fights, the Bellator Friday night fights, and uh, there was another fight on that card that I wanted to touch base on: Beck Rawlings. And uh, Ilara. 
So Elara Joani, Joan, she comes from Pitbull's camps. Most of you guys um, maybe know this. Uh, she's extremely like she's like a little bulldog. So this one bug is killing me, man. It's driving me crazy. I thought after doing some research on her, in my mind, I was like, okay, she's good. She's tough. You know, I just don't know if she's gonna have enough to be Beck Rawlings. I gotta tell you though. The the reason behind this fight, the reason why I think it didn't go Beck Rollins' his, his way, is the fact that she's been doing, she's been basically working only on her stand up, and I think that showed right off the bat. Beck Rollins didn't know, didn't have an answer for when she got taken down. She um, had been fighting in in bare knuckle boxing, became the champion in bare knuckle boxing. She didn't have, um, she didn't have the wrestling uh, in her. In her, it wasn't as fine-tuned as it used to be. Her submission game wasn't as fine-tuned as it used to be. And Ilara Joani came out, dominated right from the clinch, right to the ground, and just Beck Rollins couldn't get it going from then on. And uh, Ilara just, she comes from a good camp, trains with, you know, Patricio, Patricki, uh, Leandro Higo, um, Henry Cejudo, that whole camp is starting to find their groove and they're all right now at the top of the team starting with triple C and then the double C, the double champ Patricio, the triple C of Henry Cejudo. Patricky is potentially about to become, uh, you know, he's going to be fighting for the Ryzen title and, in a, in a, you know, if he keeps winning through this tournament and potentially coming back to Bellator and and trying to fight fight for the title there. And uh, even it's so funny. Even his brother said that he would fight him. That's hilarious. He said, "Are you gonna vacate?" I think he told Big John. Big John asked him, "Are you gonna vacate the title so your brother can fight for?" It? He's like, "No, my brother's gonna have to take it from me." And I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was a great. That was great. Anyways, um, but I thought outside of Elara Joani, she fought a great fight, able to dominate from the top position right from the get go. I talked to Beck Rollins afterwards, and I just told her like, "Hey." First off, it was your first fight in a new promotion, and I don't care what anyone says. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to jump from one promotion to the next and thinking that you're going to be ready. Second, you went from fighting and working only on boxing and your stand-up and your footwork to now having to wrestle and work from your work from your back and work from the clinch and work from all these different areas and also and be concerned about other weapons that'll be coming at your head. Okay, kicks, knees, all these other things, plus the wrestling, the sprawl, the brawls, all those things, the scrambles on the floor, the scrambles on the, the clinch, working all those things is a ton of work that you just haven't been working for the last year and a half, two years. And when that happens, your body is in a little bit of like shock when you have to do it all over again. And now, sure, it's it's like kind of riding a bike. You can just jump right on and do it again, but you sometimes can't do it at the level that you used to do it from before. You know, when I was a kid, I could just jump on the bike and start riding it. But that doesn't mean I could go out there and start doing wheelies. You know what I mean? It's just there's a different level to this game. And like we've seen, we've heard and seen people say is there's levels to this game. And and I think Beck will be back. I think she'll have a she, I think she'll have a good career at Bellator. She just needs to spend more time focusing on the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu aspect of that cuz people are going to want to try to take her down nonstop. And uh we saw that with the uh, Ilara Joani. So good fight, good good exchanges. I thought uh the whole card was good I think from top to bottom. 
you know, I just wanted to touch on the Ed Ruth one, and that was probably the one that I think needed the most uh, attention because there was a lot of people, you know, going back and forth on Twitter about it, and uh, that was it. Where do you, uh, where do you see uh, Ben uh, Askren to go from here? <clears throat> All right, so Ben Askren, where does he go from here? What are the things that he needs to work on? What are the things that we should expect from him in the future? Look, Ben is his own man. Ben is his own man, and we've seen that from organization to organization as he has moved on. He's also, I don't know how old he is. I want to say he's pushing 36, maybe a little bit older. I don't know. Um, it's up to him. I think I think realistically, Ben, there's never been any doubt that Ben has the talent to continue to win. Stylistically, the matchups. Um, that he's been given have been the toughest that they could possibly give him. Robbie Lawler was probably one of the toughest guys for him to fight. Um, the next guy would have probably been, uh, I, I didn't think Masvidal was going to be a hard, super hard fight for him, but it was a good fight for him. It was, I would say it was equal, but things happened. This is the game. Masvidal knew he was probably going to get taken down. And so what he did was he worked on the flying knee and it just so happened to work doesn't mean it's going to work every single time but he managed to uh to land it tip my hat to, to Masvidal but Ben Askren now does he does he have enough in him to make a long run back he's only 35 but uh, he's 35 but that's still pretty that's 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 like you know 90 in dog years for MMA I'm just letting you know it's pretty old man you start thinking about that type of stuff it's hard. Look, Ben Ben is good. We saw with Damian Maia. Damian Maia is not easy to take down. We saw him take Robbie Lawler down. Robbie Lawler is not easy to take down. Physically, he's strong. All these things, he's got all the intangibles still. I'd hate to see him fuss and, and, and work out over all, and stress about all this stuff. You're either going to fight or you're not. Don't have one foot in, one foot out. I've said this multiple times about fighters, you guys. When you start talking about retirement is when you should probably retire. You know, and I think it brought someone brought it up to him and said, you don't know where, you know, what are you, what are you looking to do from here? And retirement is an option. It truly is. He hasn't progressed at all on the feet. I want to say since he is getting older, the speed is not there. Is the, the speed on the takedown is not there. The speed on the defensive defending is not there. All of those things are not there. Do I think Ben, I thought Ben was doing an okay job in the fight. I actually, I, the fight was a toss for me at the time. I had been probably ahead just a tiny bit based off the takedowns. But like I said, who was trying to finish the fight more was probably Damian Maya. So I can't say how the judges were judging it. Um, I do have to agree, though, with T. Wood. Tyron Woodley said that he has been used to being able to escape and scramble and use his funky wrestling to get out of these positions against top jiu-jitsu guys. But he wasn't able to do it against Damian Maya, and it cost him the fight. I don't, I don't know if if these are the like these. This is these are the guys that they're going to continue to give him. They're going to give him guys that could potentially beat him. And I knew that coming in. And I, if you guys go back to even when I had, even when Sammy and the Pumpkin was uh, was filming more, and Sam and I were Sammy and I were talking, is that. Anytime they bring in a champion from someone else or anytime they bring in an, another fighter from somewhere else, their idea is to get you beat. And so what they have done, they've lined up whoever the best fit stylistically is for you to lose or, you know, to beat you. And so 
I think with with uh, you you had ended up with Robbie Lawler to begin with, who's really hard to take down and has one crunch power, and we know that. And then also with uh, George Mazadal, who has good power, but he has people always underestimate his wrestling. His wrestling is phenomenal. Hard to take down, good wrestler. He's got good power, obviously, in his hands. Good striking, mixes it up really well. He's a very well-rounded fighter. That's George Mazadal. Even though the fight only lasted, I want to say, what, six seconds or five seconds. five seconds or something like that? I mean, it's it's one of those things you just you never expect to happen. Then his loss to um his loss to Damian Maya this week was, you know, it was it's unfortunate. Where does he go from here? I really don't know. I think he needs to I think he needs to be a little bit more choosy uh with his opponent or he just needs to keep just saddling, buddy. Let's let's do this, you know. Or he or he can walk away. I, I, he doesn't seem like someone who can who is a quitter to me. Like someone that would quit, um, someone who would quit, you know, coming off of a loss, you know, two losses like that. I'd like to see him try to get another uh, a win and slowly, progressively work his way back in. But I don't I don't know. I really couldn't tell you where he would go from there. I mean. Outside of, realistically, outside of uh, Damian Maya, I could see them potentially giving him Colby Covington if Colby loses to Usman or giving him Usman, you know, um, after that. That's the only thing I could really, I could, I could see them because both those guys have phenomenal wrestling. They'd have a hard time potentially taking him down. And they're striking, even though, it, to me, both of their striking is not that great, but their striking is better than his. So, Damian Maya, but they neither one of those guys have the submission game that Damian Maya has. So when you talk about who you could potentially give him next, you know that would be probably the format I would say somewhere in there. But then you probably don't want to waste. Um, you probably don't want to waste either one of those guys on someone who is thirty-five years old, potentially maybe walk, get ready to walk the sport. But I also could see, because Dana doesn't seem like he likes Colby all that much, I could see them, if Colby loses to Usman, giving him Ben Askren and being like, hey, loser walks. <laughs> Loser's out of here, buddy. That would be fun. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that fight potentially coming to fruition. So, yeah. I I, th I think that would probably be the, the, the layout. Are you ready for the hot take? <laughs> yeah. Is a... Uh... Is Conor McGregor desperate for even flying to Russia and having his own press conference, kind of like persuading the people to help him get a fight with Khabib again? Because that's what it looks like. No, Conor McGregor is not desperate for anything. He's worth probably close to $200 million. I don't think he's desperate for anything. I think he's somebody that... When he wants something, he sets his eyes on it, and he wants that rematch. He thinks he can beat uh, Habib, and whether we think he can or not, he wants to prove to everyone that he can. And so he can do whatever he wants, and I don't think it's desperation at all. I think he's setting the new standard like he had done before with the, the trash talk. He's setting the new standard of what, when you want something, go out there and pitch your tent and make it happen. He went out there to Moscow or to Russia and 
basically did a press conference and said, hey, I'm here in your land. I'm talking trash. People are throwing water bottles at me, but I'm still standing here. Yeah. Doesn't care. Didn't even leave. No, doesn't <laughs> care. Doesn't care. Look, <clears throat> I heard he's going to fight in February. I believe it's February is what he January said. January 14th, I believe. January 14th. Okay, so January 14th, right? And from what I understand from all the people is that you have a couple people that are the front runners. You know, and I know a little bit more than I'm going to lead on to, but um, from what I understand, which is all out of respect, Frankie Edgar is not in that picture. There is no Frankie Edgar. Dustin Poirier just had hip surgery. He's out too. So those two guys now are, from what I understand, are completely out. Um, the main front runner right now, apparently, it sounds like, is um, there's a couple guys, but... There's Justin Gaethje, who is the main, the is the front runner, and Donald Cerrone. Those are the two, from what I understand, are the two guys that are most likely to fight Conor McGregor upon his return. Now, that makes perfect sense. When you think about it, that makes perfect sense. And and I love and I and I love Frankie Edgar. Uh, he's probably my closest friend in this whole sport. You know what I mean? And he's. Stand-up guy, great fighter, you know, former lightweight champion. But let's be real. He's going. He's already potentially talking about going to 135. He is going to 135. And, and he'd have to go up to probably 155 or 170 just to fight Conor. And, and I don't think the, the, that does – for the UFC, I don't see that happening for them. That doesn't – I think if you're talking ticket sales – because Frankie is a smaller guy, they're gonna have a hard time selling that fight. I'm not trying to not trying to say anything, Frankie. I just want you to understand that size would be a hard sell, I think, to the general public because you are going down to 135, or there was talks of you going to 135. We all know you can do it at 55. We we've seen you do it. We've seen you beat one of the you know the uh, you know the legend BJ Penn. We've seen you do that multiple times. And as far as moving up to 55, I. I would like to see it, but I'm also a hardcore Frankie fan. So outside of that, I think the UFC definitely has other plans for Connor. And I think from what it sounds like, it's going to be Donald Cerrone or it's going to be Justin Gaethje. My thought is this. Donald Cerrone is probably looking for that fair weather fight. <clears throat> Not farewell, farewell fight. He's looking for something that says, hey, I'm on my way out. I need to make as much money as I can. Um, kind of on the slide down, which means that's okay for Connor. So Connor can make his way back up and that's if he can beat Cowboy and Cowboy is neat. He's always talked about, I got to keep the, the ranch open, you know, and the ranch costs a lot of money. Could you still uh, could you still see um, Connor though fighting uh, Cowboy, knowing that Cowboy just lost to Gaethje? Yes, they're both coming off losses. What does that make a difference? You're right. Yeah, I know. I, I feel I feel like, <laughs> no, I feel like Connor only wants to fight like people who are on a winning streak. No, they're both coming off losses, and it makes perfect sense for both of them to fight each other. I don't think a lot of people are gonna say that they want to see him fight someone who's on a win streak. You know, it's not gonna. I think that's the other thing. Cowboy's on his way, kind of like he's getting older. He's not going to say he's going to retire anytime soon. He's probably going to fight till the wheels fall off, which is what people have said. But I don't. But I don't. I don't see any benefit in in uh, 
in him fighting Justin Gaethje just yet over a cowboy. Justin Gaethje's still young. The fight could still potentially happen um, after, but I, I would I would think that they would probably give him cowboy because I think for years fighters have heard, we'll take care of you, we'll take care of you, and they don't always do that. So at the end of the day, I think this fight with Cowboy and with with uh, Conor McGregor is definitely a show of like we will take care of you. Outside of that, I the only other thing I could think of is maybe another run for Max Holloway to fight him, but Conor I don't think wants to cut back down to forty five. That's one, and two is would they fight at fifty five where? Max didn't fare well against Dustin Poirier. So I, that would be the only thing. Like Max being the Max that he is now versus the Max that he was then makes a big difference, but not at 55. I think at 45. So I, I, I but like I said, I really believe that the Cowboy fight makes the most sense. And uh, I've been, che- you know, and outside of that, Justin Gaethje makes the next most sense. You know, those two guys is uh, for sure 100%. I would have said Dustin Poirier, personally. But then now Dustin with the hip surgery, he's out. Of the he's out. For like, to, yeah, for now. For sure out of the picture. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I can't think of anyone else. I couldn't think of anyone else. Uh, speaking of uh, Conor McGregor, what are your thoughts on uh, Tyson Fury announcing his plans of fighting in MMA and being trained by Conor McGregor? I think it's a good publicity stunt. I think it's a good publicity stunt. I also think, I also think that um, John Cavanaugh has a great facility. He's got great people there to work with. Connor is not the only person there. You got Kiefer Crosby there. You've got Peter Queeley there. You've got Strabanimal there. You've got, you've got uh, Liam McCourt. You, huh? Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Danis there. I mean, you've got a ton of good guys out of that gym. You know, um, the list goes on and on and on that are out of that gym. Um, but all of that stuff uh, aside, it, it, even if it doesn't come to fruition, it's a good publicity stunt. It's a good way to attract attention. It's a good way to develop a relationship between Connor and and uh, Tyson Fury to the fact of like, hey, now they become more of a, even more of a powerhouse with two big names like that, one in boxing, one in MMA. You know, and Connor also doing his thing in boxing from before with Mayweather. It just makes for a good crossover slash kind of promotion thing. And it brings a lot to it. It brings a ton to it. And um, outside of it being a publicity stunt, I, I don't think it goes, I don't think it goes beyond that. You know, but it, w- it would be, it would be nice if there was a crossover for, for Tyson Fury. Yeah, it would be interesting to see because uh, another uh a boxer, a female boxer, actually uh, named by uh, Clarissa Shields. Yes, she tweeted that she is no longer gonna fight, uh, gonna box. Instead, she she wants to fight in MMA, MMA because the boxing world does not deserve her. Look, let's. I don't know what she meant by that. I can tell you what she meant by that. Okay, is this? She's talented. She's extremely good in women's boxing. It will, is just not to the, the the level of women's MMA. You know, women's boxing they don't make any money. They make nothing. You could be a multiple-time world champion, no money. <clears throat> Women's boxing gets no respect, none. They get paid nothing. They get they're they're not promoted. They are um, I don't want to say they're mistreated, but they're just not they're not treated to the level of the the women in, in MMA. Period. And 
we've seen that with a lot of uh, other boxers that have come over, you know, from Heather Hardy to uh, um, Ava Knight to who's in Bellator. Um, say, who? James Tony. James Tony came over, but he came over from as a male. I'm talking about girls. Oh, girls. Females. That was the conversation, correct? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. <laughs> Sorry. I like. You can't change the conversation yeah, mid sentence. Mid, mid, mid. I was looking at my phone. Mid conversation, bud. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's that's the problem. The problem is that women's MMA and women, the women in MMA get treated better than the than women in boxing. You know, and sure, maybe not all of the women in MMA are not the top top. Women in boxing, they make a ton of money. Maybe they make good money. But we've seen world champions come over and they're like, wow, I'm getting paid more. Because they get paid per round still sometimes. You know, I have a friend, uh, Karina Moreno, who is, a, I want to say, a five-time world champion in two or three different weight classes and not making really anything. I mean, outside of the fact that she she's uh, successful outside of boxing. You know, she's very successful outside of boxing. Um it, like she didn't make any she, she's not making a ton of money in boxing she could make more money in mma if she had came over and made the crossover you know i don't know if she will now or what the deal will be but yeah she's not she would make more money i think in mma or had would have made more money in mma had she made the crossover so to touch on clarissa's uh, point i would say she's probably correct no they don't deserve her that's why you see some of the some of the really good boxers making the switch over just my personal opinion how about a uh, Jose Aldo uh, pretty much fighting a uh, Marlon Moraes? Just got what do you mean announced. pretty much? The fight's <laughs> been announced. Fighting. Yeah, the yep. fight's been announced. Yeah, the fight's been announced. Marlon Moraes and Jose Aldo. Look, Big John and I have been shooting this back and forth. I absolutely hate it. Why? I, I absolutely hate it. Both of these guys... Could have just made a contracted weight fight at 145. They're both huge for the weight. Like, for 135, I mean, like, they're both going to kill themselves to get to 35. Marlon Rice walks around, I want to say, 165. I walk around 171, and I fight at 55. This guy's fighting at 135. That's hard. It's insane. And he's shredded. Like, he's muscular and shredded. Not just, like, big muscles. He just, he's ripped to the T. And same thing with Jose Aldo. The two of them kill themselves to make the weight. If you're not fighting for a title, what's the point? Just say, hey, let's fight at 45, you know, or let's fight at 55. Whatever our walk around weight is, let's just fight at that. Fight whatever weight class it is that's close. I, I don't understand. That's what I love. That's what I love about Bellator. You have two guys that are not fighting for the championship. They don't give a crap what weight you fight at. I don't care. If you guys win, cool. Move you up in your ranks, whatever, some other, you know, whatever it is. Like, if two guys see each other, you know, the week of the fight and say, hey, how much you weigh? Let's check. We both checked in. We both weighed in the week of the fight at 172 or 168 or or 180, whatever it is, right? And you're, you know, if I'm if I'm weighing it, if we're both supposed to weigh in at 55 and we both show up, we haven't even started our weight cut yet. We both show up at one, at one, uh, at 170. That's our walk around weight. Why don't we just fight at 170? Make the contracted weight at 170. There's no reason to There's lose no reason to kill yourself. There's no reason to kill yourself. You know? Yep. And I'm going to give you guys um, to, to talk about this. Paul Daly. Paul Daly and Saad Awad fought this week because Saad Awad took the fight on short notice. So they fought, they're fighting at one, they fought at 175. 
Saad's been on kind of a losing streak, but Saad looked a lot better than he has. And like he said, he came out later and said, I feel like the 165 pound weight class would be perfect for me. And I agree. I do agree 100%. I think the weight class should be started and move 170 to 175. And now we've got a weight class every 10 pounds. It's brilliant. Brilliant idea. I hope Bellator jumps in front of this before the UFC does because all those guys that are tweeners, those are some of the best guys in the world. Those are Masvidal. Those are, um, what's it called? Who else? You could probably even say Conor McGregor is kind of a tweener. Khabib would definitely be a tweener because he doesn't want to fight at 70. That's too big. 65 would probably be perfect for him. I'm sure some of the other Russians would be perfect. You've got guys in that weight class that would jump and they're in that middle. Who else? Is, oh, Rafael, oh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Same thing with him. He's a tweener. 55 kills him. 70's a little bit too big for him, even though he's really good at 72. But he's not. I don't think he's going to be champion there. He can't be champion there. Like, the guys are huge. 65 would be perfect. 75 is every 10 pounds. Now you have a champion. And I talked about this with Big John. With um, Jose Aldo going to going to, to 135, the speed's going to be a factor. I give Aldo, like, Marlon Rice, when it's time you go down and wait, we saw it with TJ Dillashaw going to Henry Cejudo. It's too much, man. Like, you're draining your body of water. And depleting your body so much, that's drastic, that TJ Dillashaw's chin was gone. As soon as he got touched, it was over. And I, I feel like Aldo's going to potentially do the same thing. I think Aldo's problem is, because he's been getting rocked a little bit more easy, and he's been getting hurt, and he's been kind of, you know, those kind of fights, is because of the weight cut for all those years. You know, and I'm, I'm a believer in weight cuts, but within that are manageable. Some of these guys, like Connor and Khabib, and they're still fighting while they're young. But when you get a little bit older, like Jose is, it's hard, man. It's really hard to keep keeping your weight down and without getting rocked, you know? And then, but the problem is going up to 170, 15 pounds is a lot of weight. And those guys are big and they're young, you know? Um, you got to keep your speed, but you got to not get hit by all that power either. So those are things you got to deal with, you know? So... Look, I think it's I think it's a bad idea for Jose Aldo to go down. I'd like to see them both agree upon a weight at 155 or 150 or whatever you want to call it. But the UFC doesn't like to do catch weights or contracted weight. If it's not for a title, who gives a crap? Uh, that's one thing I really do like about Bellator. Well, even put yourself through that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see it, man. I don't see it. I'd like to see Jose Aldo potentially go to 55 versus 135. I think I think because he wants to fight Henry Cejudo when he, upon his return, um, which makes sense. I just don't think the weight cut down like we saw with TJ Dillashaw is the smart thing to do. It's not there. How about um, Dominic Reyes consistently is sending shots at John Jones, saying that if John Jones go moves up to heavyweight, that just means that he's avoiding him. <laughs> no. John Jones moves up to heavyweight. It's because he's tired of beating all the guys at 205. I mean, I think, what, one or two more fights, he'll have to just start repeating and re-rinsing the guys he's already beat. So, um, look, John hasn't looked as dominant as he has from before. And we can speculate all we want. Okay? And everyone knows how I like to speculate, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that situation right now. What I'm going to go into is that John's talented. There's no doubt about it. And John, he, I, I honestly almost, I believe he should go to heavyweight now. 
Because the younger generation of guys that are coming up have a really good chance of beating him. Johnny Walker is 6'6 or 6'7. Um, Dominic Reyes, big as well. I want to say 6'6. Um, you know, Anthony Smith was big and tall as well. Uh, the other guy, the guy that just beat Luke Blackowicz or Blackowicz or whatever his name is, he's big as well. Rockhold was big. I mean, I don't think Rockhold's going to get to Jones, but the new generation of 205-pound guys are big. You know, and John hasn't looked the same. He's getting a little bit older. Not that he's old, but he's getting a little bit older. The speed, the length, the range, I think he'll still, he's a better wrestler than the majority of the guys in the heavyweight division. I think it would be good for him to go up. That's what I think. I think it would be good for him to go up. Is he avoiding Dominic Reyes? No. John Jones doesn't know. I don't think he avoids people. This is my personal opinion. He doesn't avoid people. I think there's guys he doesn't, like, he just doesn't get motivated by, and that's fair. I can say that I was kind of the same way as well. There was guys I didn't feel like fighting. I didn't. Mo I wasn't motivated for some guys, and it showed in the performance. You know, I just kind of fight should have been finished in the first or second round, but it was like a fight that went the distance because it was just like yeah, I didn't really train as hard as I could have during camp. John's at that level of where like you just, especially not just the level, but also is getting towards the towards like getting in his age. As you get older in age, you start wanting things to motivate you. You want things in life to inspire you and motivate you and. I don't know if Dominic Reyes does that for him. You know, um, DC, I think, brought out some of the best in John Jones. I think, um, I mean, other other people that he has fought. I, mean, I think he learned a lot from the Santos fight, though, that he can't just skate by. That Santos fight was good. I think had Santos had both, uh, had, his, had both legs underneath him, I would have potentially have given him that fight. You know, um, he probably would have ended up winning that fight had that happened. I mean, he looked good. It was a good fight. And uh, but Dominic Reyes, no, I don't think so. That, that it's it's uh, it's not a yeah, it's it's a re it's a big reach, it's a big, big reach. But I will say this I'm extremely uh, impressed with Dominic Reyes. I thought he looked very good against Weidman, but you are talking about a guy coming from 185 to 205 on their first fight. That right there just lets me know that Weidman has a little bit more work to do at that weight class. It's just gonna take time if he wants to keep fighting. Same thing with Rockhold. I think Rockhold could be, could uh, could do well at that weight class because he is tall and long. I always liked him at eighty five because he was the bigger of guys. But if you're gonna insist on going up, Luke has the bigger body frame and the bigger you know than Wyman does to to actually get work done at that weight class. You know, but uh, you know Luke's had some rough goes the last you know three three fights I believe. Um, speaking of heavyweight, my personal favorite fighter of all time, uh, Rumble Jensen. Yes. Um, One of my closest friends. <laughs> yep. He says that he would return sometime about uh, around April next year. Okay. Um, heavyweight or 205? I believe it's heavyweight. Uh, who, who I don't do think so. I think I think I heard he wants to fight John Jones. John Jones, yeah. So who do you think is the best like possible opponent for his return? Aside from John Jones. You just brought him up. Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes, Dominic Reyes, uh, Johnny Walker's fighting this weekend, I believe. If he wins, maybe a, maybe John Walker. Uh, who's another guy? Anthony Smith. Like all the guys I just mentioned, all those guys that are at the top of the echelon. I would have loved to have seen him fight Santos. Oh, that would have been good. But good with the torn ACL, MCL, whatever it is, all the things that he tore in his knee, that is going to be some time. So that being said, I would like to see uh, maybe maybe you have 
AJ, AJ, when he left, when Anthony Johnson left, he was at the top. You know, I want to say he was number four or five or three or four, somewhere in there. Because yeah. you had you had DC, you had Jones, and you had DC, and DC and Jones flip back and forth based on, you know, on suspensions and you know and and uh, and stuff like that. So, that being said, I would say Anthony Johnson at two hundred five, the speed and the power that he possesses is. It's incredible. And none of those guys have the wrestling that he has. He just doesn't use it. But they're, they're also not going to be able to take him down, you know, if they try. And we saw what AJ did, what Anthony Johnson did to to uh, to Gustafson. Yep, and we saw what he did to Nogueira, and we saw what he did to other people as well. So, I mean, shit, he knocked, uh, he knocked um, DC right off his feet, parallel with the ground. So, he, he's there's no doubt. Everyone knows he's got power in them hands. You know, so I think, I think my honest opinion would be, to him, for him, if he's going to jump into this weight, he wants to get right to. If he wants to get right to, to John Jones, he needs to fight somebody like Dominic Reyes or Anthony Smith, somewhere there. I would say Santos, but to me that that would be the fight. But Santos is out for a while, so I would say Dominic Reyes or Anthony Smith. Uh, going back to female fighters, uh, how how soon are we uh, gonna see uh, Joanna versus uh, Zhang Wei Li fight? No idea, no idea. Probably sometime early next year, probably February or March, somewhere around then. Um, yeah, I would probably say sometime around then. You could potentially see it maybe on the undercard of Connor's fight. You know, well, no, you wouldn't see it on the undercard. Like you wouldn't see it on underneath them because Connor's not fighting for a title. So they put the title fights ahead. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Joanna and and her probably. I don't know. I would say probably like sometime around February. That yeah, because you have well, you have November, December, January. You know, February. I mean, that gives them another month or month and a half of rest, and then two months of camp and ready to jump into it. Probably late February, early March. Maybe the uh, maybe the undercard of DC and Stipe. Which I, which I'm hearing rumblings will be in March. I also have heard that Khabib and uh, and Tony will be sometime in possibly in March. So maybe you put those two guys on the same card. You have Khabib and and Tony, and you have DC and Stipe. Ooh. That'd be a stacked card, stacked. you know. All right, last question. So um, during the <clears throat> weekend, a good friend of yours. Nathan Diaz initially posted a letter <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> saying that Usada has found some uh, elevated, uh, you know, levels in his system, and he will no longer fight in UFC 244. So I noticed that a lot of fighters were quick to jump on Twitter criticizing Nate, uh, Dustin Poirier, even Eddie Alvarez, to name a few. But you actually did you did the opposite. Instead, you posted a you know like a thank you type of note saying that hey. Thank you for being honest. Uh, please explain your, you know, position on that. Uh, we're talking. We're talking about Nate Diaz. Nate fucking Diaz. Like he's not a cheater. Smoking weed to me is he. He didn't get busted for that. You know. When he's motivated, he's gonna be hard to beat. And cheating is not what he does. So. What I liked and what I agree with him on, other guys are going to take shots at him. But th that, that's their own personal issues. And it comes from guys, too, that that have a little something out for him, which is cool. Everyone, look, this, we're in the hurt business. We're not in here to make friends either. 
You know, it just so happens that pretty much everyone that I've kind of fought, I've kind of ended up being friends with or people I've respected. And I continue to respect him. Like, I respect Nate. I respect him a lot. You know, him, his brother, and his teammate, Gilbert. Jake Shields is still a good friend of mine. I still hang out with Jake every once in a while when we see each other traveling around. Look, these guys are doing a great job representing this sport. You guys, anyone can say, yeah, they're thugs. That's not the point, you guys. These guys have a, a mixed martial arts school. They have a jiu-jitsu school in Stockton or Lodi. You know, it's like they have kids in that program. They, they're doing stuff to help the youth become better as well. Look, you may not like the way they talk. You may not like, you may not like, not like the way they carry themselves. But all in all, these guys are good guys. Like they, they, they represent something that a lot of these guys don't. And, and I'll give you an example of what. The UFC has been known to, behind the doors, tell you like, hey, just stay quiet for this, okay? And we'll take care of it, get you through the fight, we'll give you a little bit, maybe even give you a little bit more money. And at the end, okay, you're still suspended, you knew you were, you knew you were taking stuff, we're not gonna, we don't really need to look into the tainted supplement thing because it costs more money, we already got the fight out of it, so Why? What I appreciate about him is this. No, fuck you guys. Clear my fucking name or I'm not fucking showing up in New York. That to me lets you everybody out there know that's how you need to handle that. That's how you need to handle the UFC and USADA and the way when they say, hey, this is tainted or like this, you have traces of something in your system. No, figure it out or I'm not fighting. Now, look, some of you young guys, nothing you can do. You do that, they're gonna be like, fuck you, we'll cut you. There's they don't need to mess around with you. So don't take that advice. If you're a young fighter or you're or you're barely on the if you're barely making the main card or you're not even on the main card, just keep your mouth shut. Okay? But if you're somebody like a Mazadal, a Nate Diaz, um, you know, a Jeremy Stevens, you know, um Frankie Edgar, which, you know, these are all things like if you're one of those guys. Just, I would suggest you do exactly what Nate Diaz did. Like, no, no, I'm, I, I am the company man, but you're gonna clear my name first, and you're gonna, you're gonna, once your my name is cleared, once you say that I didn't take anything and these supplements were bad or whatever it is, which is apparently it was a plant based um, supplement that he was taking that had traces of, of something that was found in his system. Look. Supplement companies do it all the time. They want they want you to see results, so they do what they can to put stuff in them when they taint the supplements. Look, I I think I think the fact that fighters and athletes now are catching these people and Usada's catching the fact that these guys it sounds like they're cheating, but they're not. It's hard because we're stuck between a rock and a hard spot. It's now going to start making these supplement companies really follow suit with. The guidelines that are required. Like you said, this was in this. You never said this was in your shit. And now these companies could potentially go out of business for being scumbags. And and that's what I like. I really like that. You know, I like the idea that Nate Diaz spoke up and he said, no, clear my name or I ain't fucking showing up in New York. And you can't be mad at that. You gotta you have to you have to pat yourself on the back and you have to remember that. Look, he was, he was, I think he was going to guaranteed $3 million just for showing up. Guaranteed. Anytime someone takes their, 
their integrity to that level, how do you not, how do you not, how do you not do that? How do you not clap your hands and say thank you? Nate fucking Diaz, I, I got to say, I'm thanking you. Thank you. The, the sport needs this. This is what the sport needed. You know, these guys, the the UFC, USADA, no, no, I'm not doing I'm not, I'm not doing you a favor. Clear my name, and then I'll go ahead and fight. And then I'll do you that favor by fighting, because I'm making you all that money. Sure, I'm making the money too, but you're making more. You wouldn't be paying me the $3 million if you weren't making way more than that off of this. And then need I remind you guys, okay, had Mazadal, had they thrown out, because there was a lot of buzz that if they couldn't get Nate Diaz cleared, they were going to try to throw out Leon Edwards. Well, let me just be clear. Had Masvidal said no, I'm not fighting Leon, which I don't think he would have. He probably would have taken that fight. But had Masvidal said no, no, I want, I want another, I want somebody else with a bigger name and a bad motherfucker. Okay, if he would have, if he would have done that, and they couldn't find someone to step in on one week's notice against Masvidal, guess what? Let me, let me, just, let me just tell you guys this: they would have had to offer refunds to people for tickets. If they would also had to offer refunds for all the pay-per-views that were already pre-bought. That's rough. That's that's a ooh oof. That's rough. So when they what Nate Diaz did was he set the standard of hey you guys I'm not going to be held accountable for your guys' shit. I think I think Usada maybe doing their job, but look, dude, calling people out afterwards and then putting them under suspension to clear their name. No, no. Call them out now. Then, then, then you don't have to worry about being suspended afterwards. No, clear my name now, so I'm not suspended afterwards. Let me remind you guys, okay? Somebody, Yoel Romero, he still pretty much served a suspension, even though he was a tainted supplement, which was proven by USADA. Why is he serving a suspension for a tainted supplement? If it was tainted, it's not his fault. And Nate took that out of the equation today. He said, no, clear my name. No, I'm not fighting. There's nothing you can, there's nothing, there's not enough you can say about Nate Diaz that, that um, doesn't warrant a big applause. I, I applaud him. I applaud him for saying $3 million and greed, not today. My integrity and my dignity is more important. Shit, man, that's crazy. I want you guys to to comment in the comment section. Let me know. Would you have said $3 million and deal with it later? Or fuck you. No $3 million till you clear my name. All you guys are lying if you say no. All of you guys are lying. $3 million. That was, that, let me just tell you. He was guaranteed $3 million. He could get more. Pay-per-views. I want to say it's $2 per pay-per-view buy. Okay. I don't know what the limit is on it. Like usually it's like $175,000. <coughs> Excuse me. It's usually 175,000 buys, and then he starts getting the two dollars pay per view. Normally, so if he does it, he could end up making like probably close to five, six million, maybe even more. I would say maybe even close to you know seven and eight. If they, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money, and for him to do what he did, that lets you know what kind of person he is. You know, him and his brother. People can think whatever they want about them. 
They can say whatever they want about them. But I got to tell you, I've been a fan since day one. I'll continue to be a fan of theirs. You know, people can say what they want, you know, about me with him. And I have no beef with the guy. The guy is legit one of the most respected, one of the toughest, baddest motherfuckers out there. And I enjoy watching him and his brother fight all the way down. And that whole scrap pack, all of them. Gilmer Melendez, great guy. Phenomenal guy. Talented as all hell. Tough as nails. Amazing. Okay, Jake Shields, same shit. You know, that, that group of guys, great people. I can't say enough, they're good people. You know, and all they've done is trained hard and try to help make the sport grow. That's it, man. That's it. That's all I got to say. How about uh, Dylan Dennis doing some good Samaritan work this weekend, reaching out and arranging an MMA lesson for a kid that's being bullied in school? Uh, Dylan Dennis. Um, trying to make a stand for some kids that are uh, being bullied uh, at school. Not just being bullied at school, but like online bullying, basically after the... After being bullied, now it's getting posted on the internet. And that happening as well. Also, um, also, he is somebody that he gets, I wouldn't say he gets a bad rap. He brings it upon himself. There's no doubt about it. But Dylan is ta talented. Dylan also has connections in areas that can make some phone calls and say, hey, I'm going to pay for this. Let this kid train and please help him do whatever it is we got to do to try to build this kid's confidence up as well as teach him something that could potentially protect himself. The bullying stuff's got to stop. I mean, there's, but there, I, I know it's just part of life, but some of these kids that these kids are bullying, they're special needs kids. They're not just kids that can't fight or kids that, or kids that, you know, um, are, just just not athletic or, or anything along those lines. These are kids that really, they have, they have special needs. And so when these kids have special needs and these kids are getting bullied at school and then that video is getting pushed out on on uh, social media, it makes it even worse. So not only did you just get, there are these kids getting beat up at school and nothing's being done about it. I mean, they're, they're, also, they're also publicly letting this out that and showing all the other kids' peers that they beat up this kid. Now, in the video, you don't know. You can't really tell sometimes that this is a special need kid. It just looks like one kid's beating up the other. And that's what's, that's what's truly sad about it. You have one kid standing in front of the other kid, bullying him, and not just bullying him, but then also there's other kids standing around. And I could go into this. This is this is something that I feel like is... is uh, <clears throat> It's it's a bro it's it's broken at home is I think where it starts is that it needs to happen with being fixed at home for the kids to stop bullying. But what I like about Dylan Dennis is he likes to pick fights at, you know online. He likes to conf confront people and he likes to try and get fights that he potentially may make a ton of money off of. And you don't I can't knock him for that. I don't consider it bullying when you're doing it to, to other combative guys that have said that they are willing to fight Dylan Dennis. The two of them um, can make the exchange and make the agreement and potentially put the fight on. That's something that can happen. But when you see what goes on at schools 
where you've got multiple kids pushing kids down to the ground, kicking them, stomping them, hitting them from the side, hitting them from behind, you know, cheap shotting them, all of these things. It's 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 really frustrating to see these kids be treated like this, you know. And then even when they try to walk away, even when they try to move on, and they're still getting hit and punched, not just from one kid, it's multiple kids. And I feel like and I feel like there needs to be there needs to be laws and consequences for the people that are recording watching this stuff happen, you know. And what I like about Dylan Dennis doing this is it's letting everybody know that. Outside of all the trash talk and outside of all the, uh, outside of all the trash talk and outside of all the antics and the and the gimmick and and everything else that he likes to do. Okay, um, something happened, you know, and and he's trying to make a difference in helping or or trying to put a stop to it, you know. And the fact there's, what's upsetting is that there's there's no, there's no way of, there's no way of changing any of this, you guys. Like as far as doing something like this this is the only way that you can try to make a change or a difference you know i own several gyms fitness gyms and and martial arts gyms and and i've got i've got you know over 100 over 100 kids in my in my jiu jitsu gym you know or close to 100 kids in my jiu jitsu gym <clears throat> and you wouldn't believe the confidence that goes along with it from wrestling jiu jitsu to the older kids offer mma like kickboxing and 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 uh, <clears throat> and boxing to go along with all this. So these are things that I offer, like, but you should see from the moment they come in, the shy kids that first stepped on the mat to now the kids that walk around with confidence. It makes a big difference. So what Dylan Dennis is doing is he's helping to build this, this young man's confidence. And it goes a long way in life on how you communicate with other people on how other people will perceive you with your confidence. And and how you interact with other people and how and how you carry yourself as you walk through a hall or how you talk to other people, um, you know, whether they're adults or kids. So I think I think this gesture by Dylan Dennis is a is a, is a big deal. I'm, I'm really excited and happy that he's reached out and he's tried to uh, to help this young man. That's it. Um. How about uh, Greg Hardy versus Volkov? Hardy as a oh. replacement fight, uh, fighter. <clears throat> all right, look, people want to talk about Greg Hardy and all the things that happened as far as uh, inhaler gate or whatever you want to call it. Okay, you know, um, but he's fighting Volkov. Volkov's a tough guy. Volkov is somebody who. The length, the range, the reach is going to be a factor. And it's been a factor for a lot of guys. Now, Greg Hardy needs to do what Derek Lewis did, but he needs to do it early. Because I don't think he can afford to linger this fight around until the third round like, Der like uh, Derek Lewis did. Greg Hardy, I got to tip my hat to him. This is probably the only time you'll ever hear me tip my hat to, to, to Greg Hardy. But look. This is a huge step up in competition. Not just a little bit. This is huge. We're going to find out right now how prepared and how willing he is to take some shots and try to exchange them back. <coughs> this is going to we're going to see now if he's if he's okay with being bullied whereas he's normally the bully in the cage. And I think his power his speed will all be a factor if he is able to 
to get in there close to him and able to touch Volkov. Now, <coughs> with Volkov, <coughs> Volkov needs to keep him at the end of the bay with that side kick to the leg, push kick to the body, and that long jab, and that right hand. If he can do all of those things and keep Greg Hardy out on the outside, I think he's going to have a good night. Potentially finish him and knock him out. We're going to... Greg Hardy, though, needs to get it and needs to close the distance as far as sliding on the inside of the combinations and try to touch him with his right hand. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I don't think he has the experience to handle somebody like Volkov. Now, look, I, I actually was, was, as the fight was going on with Derek Lewis and Volkov, I'm like, wow, Volkov can run away with this. He's going to do that. He can do this. You know, Derek Lewis can't figure it out. The length, the range is a problem. But Derek Lewis hits like a truck. We're gonna. Derek Lewis carried into the into the third round, and he knew it was like it was all or nothing. And when he throws, he throws, man. And when he caught Volkov, the fight was done. I don't know if Greg Hardy has it in him to do those kind of things, especially in the third round. And if he can handle those body kicks and those push kicks to the body and and Volkov's reach and range, Volkov is a real fighter. Somebody, and I'm not saying Greg Hardy isn't yet. But there's a lot, There's like you said, there's levels to this game. We've talked about there's levels to this game. And the level is is that Volkov has a lot of experience against top guys. Greg Hardy has, what, four fights? Yeah, He's got four fights against not-so-top guys. So we're going to see real quick, I think, in this fight, <clears throat> by about the two-and-a-half-minute mark, if if it even gets there, if um, if Greg Hardy belongs in there, you know, if he, if he, is, if he is really a fighter. Will he take a shot and, and try to push through it? Or will he, <clears throat> if he's not the bully, what will he do? If he's the nail and not the hammer, that's kind of what it comes down to. If he's the nail and not the hammer, can he work through it? Look, honestly, I don't care. I don't care if he can, I don't care if he can work his way through it or not. It just makes for interesting conversation and a topic of conversation to see if he can get through somebody like Volkov, who's at, who's kind of right there at that top echelon of fighters. I just want to know, are people going to stop doubting him? Are people going to stop doubting him? If he knocks out Volkov, are people going to stop doubting him? Are they going to say, oh, it was a lucky shot? I mean, there's no doubt he's talented. I mean, like, he's super athletic. I don't know if he's quite ready to be called a fighter yet, but he's he's there. He's He's taking fights like this. I think in any, in any other situation or scenario, this is good for him to build off of the fact that he he's coming off in Gate, you know, and but he was dominating that fight. <clears throat> he's got moved to a no contest. He, he's got lack of inexperience. He's, he's inexperienced, but the fact that he just got out of a camp and now he's jumping right back into another one, like within you know, you know I think he's fight. It's it's the fight's coming up. So all those things aside, like he didn't never had a chance to really get out of shape. I think it makes perfect sense for him to jump right in this fight against a top guy. That top guy's got more to lose than he does. He does yeah. People are going to criticize him whether he wins or he loses, no matter what. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Everyone's he is the Floyd Mayweather right now of MMA. People are buying or tuning in just to watch his ass get knocked out. And I ain't going to lie. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm watching just to see if he loses or not. But I will tell you this, though. 
Sure, I want him to lose. But I also am seeing, I'm not outside. I'm looking at the outside picture. And from the outside looking in, I'm looking at this. I'm, he is getting better. He is progressing. And that's dangerous because he is athletic. So every fight I see him fight, he's getting a little bit better. It's not like he's not training. He's, his style and his technique is getting a little bit better. That's dangerous to think in terms of like, man, what this guy can do. So when um, if you're gonna see him get beat, it's probably gonna be right around now. This is this is what I look at. <clears throat> I was having this conversation with Phil Davis, and Phil Davis was fighting Carl Albrechtson, and we were talking about this. And he said, "I'm gonna jump on Carl right now." And I said, "Why? Why are you jumping on him now?" He's like, "Well, if you jump on somebody early in their career, he's like, and you beat them, it's on their record their whole career." And I'm like. He's like, and I, I told him, I said, you know what? That's exactly what Floyd Mayweather did to Canelo. He said, he's 20 years old. I'm going to beat him now. So for the rest of his life, he's never going to get this back. I ain't going to fight him again. <clears throat> he's never going to get this back. It happened. Yep. <laughs> and then he bounced, and he's never going to get that back. Canelo will always have that Floyd Mayweather loss on his, on his record. Always. always. Got him while he was young. People look back, oh, you, never, you can never be the best. You're never going to be the best. And he knew that Canelo wouldn't refuse that fight because it was Floyd Mayweather. Young guy, I can beat him. Well, right now, Volkov, of course, said yes. He's going to fight that fight. Jump on him now, Greg Hardy now, while he's young. What I mean by young is I mean young in the sport. I mean, he's got four fights. How much experience do you think? I mean, athleticism will come through, I think, a little bit. Will be a tougher fight, I think. Than Volkov believes, but I think Volkov gets it done. Should be a good, should be a good performance by Volkov. But we'll see. We'll see if we'll see if Greg Hardy is okay with being the nail and not the hammer. <laughs> That's something that needs to be proved. We'll we'll see. Um, the legend uh, Randy Couture suffered a, ma a massive oh, yeah. heart attack during the weekend. Yeah, we 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 talked about this at. Um, yeah, we, we talked about this at Bellator, Jay Glazer and I. It happened at Unbreakable. And uh all kidding aside, which we weren't we were kidding a lot that night when we talked about it on air. Um, you know, Chael's good friends with him. Randy's obviously really good friends with him since they work together or not work together, but they they see each other a lot at, at Jay Glazer's gym in LA <clears throat> at Unbreakable. You know, I've known Randy for a long time. Randy was actually a judge um, at, I think, my second or third fight ever in my life. And then, you know, obviously went on to fight on some of the same cards as him in um, in the UFC. I, it, when, you see, when, you, when you think about it, it's so funny. I'll tell, I can tell you guys a story if you guys haven't heard it yet. <clears throat> he was working out, started getting, like, sweats and started, like, but it was like a light workout. He just came in kind of flush looking, I guess, is what Jay was telling me, and and Jay said, um, Jay basically said, like, hey, he he just started looking like pale. And then he started kind of like having, you know, a little bit of chest pains. And then he then he basically walked over to a roller and decided that he maybe if he like rolled on his back with a roller, it would roll it out. <laughs> Didn't realize that he was quite having a heart attack. Then like he basically just kind of walked himself to the ER because he was having feeling so shitty. And then he got there, and they're like, yeah, you basically you're having a heart attack. 
It's like shit. So they obviously did. They did. They did what they had to do to fix him. Uh, feeling better. Turned around. Walked himself right out of there. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Jay has made a bunch of jokes. Uh, Jay Glazer made a bunch of jokes about how he told him he goes, "Hey, uh, he's like, you know, my gym's unbreakable." He's like, "If you would have died, fucking, I would have changed the name to Breakable." You know, he's like, <laughs> "Shit." So you know, and and Chael's made several comments about uh, the level of pain. <laughs> yeah, just the level of pain you can uh, you you gotta you gotta start stepping up your game. You can't handle that kind of pain, you know. And uh, and then not only that, but he just you know Chael obviously being very good friends with Randy has said several you know I was like Randy come on man you'll do anything for attention these days and this is this is one of them obviously you you know now you're just planning your heart attacks you know attention's probably not coming in as much as it used to and you'll just do anything these days for attention but look all kidding aside truly um, he's he's definitely a, a really good guy hung out with him a lot um, in the last couple of years especially because because you know he's he's uh, he's done some work with Bellator, he's done some work with Jay Glazer, and you know a lot with the MVP, that merging vets and players um, uh, organization and charity that the Jay Glazer puts on. Randy's like one of the the talking pieces for that, and and uh, just love seeing Randy be part of all that, and I, I love what he's still doing after fighting, not just movies, but still keeping himself involved with a lot of the uh, a lot of you know our our vets and our. And also with players that are having, you know, have C, like CTE issues after football and, you know, and um, <clears throat> and all those type of things. So I, I like the fact that he has came out of there unscathed, feels good, walked himself out of the hospital. Um, truly, it, it, it is nice to see that we didn't lose somebody like that and uh, in this world. So, Randy, I'm so glad you're okay. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. And uh, when the doctor said light workouts, he meant walking, not sparring, not kicking pads and hitting pads. He said light workout. I just, I know fighters, we translate what doctors say into what we want to hear. And uh, I know that's exactly what you're doing because Jay told me the doctor told you light workouts as in like walking on a pre-core, not walking uphill. <laughs> so, all right, but hey, I want to just say I'm glad and happy that you're home safe and uh, stay good. All right, my man?